It's Wednesday, June 19th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today on Capitol Hill, people are talking about whether the U.S. should pay reparations to the descendants of slaves. We'll dive into why this is gaining traction as we head towards 2020. Then, a United Nations report is calling for the Saudi crown prince to be investigated in the death of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. We'll give you the details. And finally, there's a new U.S. poet laureate in town, and she's making history. We're here to make your Wednesday smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about reparations for slavery. Today, the House Judiciary Committee on the Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil Liberties held a hearing about a bill, H.R. 40. If it passes, it would create a federal commission to study slavery and reparations, to review the history of slavery in this country, and basically to decide whether to pay back descendants of slaves and in what way. It's the first time Congress has held a hearing about this in over a decade. Here's the bill's sponsor, Representative Sheila Jackson-Lee, at the hearing today talking about why this bill is important for African Americans. It is only this group that can singularly, singularly claim to have been slaves under the auspices, the institution, and leadership of the United States government. And so, H.R. 40 is in fact, is in fact, the response of the United States of America long overdue. We're going to get into the history of talking about reparations for slavery, why it's back in the news now, and why it's still controversial. First, like we said, the concept of reparations isn't a new thing. In 1865, Union generals proposed giving, quote, 40 acres and a mule to former slaves to help them start their lives. But after President Lincoln was assassinated, the new president, Andrew Johnson, Nix the idea. Reparations came up again every so often. But it wasn't until the late 1980s that Congressman John Conyers of Michigan proposed a bill to commission an official study on reparations. He proposed it again and again every year until he left office two years ago. In 2008, Congress passed a bill apologizing for slavery, but reparations weren't included in that bill. Then, in 2014, a writer named ta Coates laid out the case for reparations in a 16,000-word essay for The Atlantic magazine. Coates wrote about slavery and all the ways in which Black people continued to be oppressed after slavery ended, through things like the lack of access to education and housing discrimination. And he said the U.S. needed to pay its debts, including maybe by cutting checks. That sparked a huge debate. And now a lot more people are talking about it, including a bunch of 2020 Democratic candidates. But there's not a lot of agreement over how to solve this issue. Yesterday, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was asked about it. I I don't think reparations for something that happened 150 years ago for whom none of us currently living are responsible is a good idea. Uh, We've, you know, tried to deal with our original sin of slavery by fighting a civil war, by passing landmark civil rights legislation. Uh, We've elected an African-American president. That comment created a lot of tension for today's hearing, especially because McConnell grew up in the segregated South. Testifying to Congress today, Ta-Nehisi Coates, the author of that article, The Case for Reparations, said it's not just about what happened way back when. Majority Leader McConnell cited civil rights legislation yesterday, as well he should, because he was alive to witness the harassment, jailing, and betrayal 
of those responsible for that legislation by a government sworn to protect them. He was alive for the redlining of Chicago and the looting of black homeowners of some $4 billion. Victims of that plunder are very much alive today. He's done research on this, connecting the disparities for African-Americans today to slavery and the Jim Crow era. And so have other people. According to a study from the Center for American Progress, the average black household in 2016 had a tenth of the wealth of the average white household. Today's hearing was packed. Other people who testified included Senator and 2020 presidential candidate Cory Booker and actor Danny Glover. To be clear, not everyone is in favor of reparations, including some African-Americans. Writer Coleman Hughes testified that reparations for all descendants of slaves could insult black people. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has thrown her support behind the bill to study reparations, something she usually doesn't do before legislation passes committee. But since Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has nixed the idea, the bill just to look into reparations probably doesn't have much of a chance of passing while he's in charge. So what's the skim? There were a lot of ideas pitched today on how to deal with reparations, but no detailed proposals. Remember, today's hearing was just about whether there should be a commission to study the idea. We'll hear more about this because it's become a huge topic on the 2020 campaign trail. Candidates are using this as part of their platforms, and they've got some ideas. For some, it's a check. Others are looking at broader proposals to close the wealth gap for African Americans. The timing for this hearing wasn't random. Today's Juneteenth, a day on which people commemorate the end of slavery in the US. It's when the Union Army finally reached Texas in 1865 and let slaves know that they'd been freed by the Emancipation Proclamation. And people have been talking about reparations for slavery almost ever since. Meanwhile, the UN is looking into a different controversial topic, the death of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi. That's next. There's a new UN report out that has people talking about the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, a.k.a. MBS. The report is calling for him to be investigated for the murder of former Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. We already knew a lot of what's in the report, but there's some new info, and it's pretty condemning. Before we get into it too much, let's take a step back. Jamal Khashoggi was a Saudi journalist who had been critical of the Saudi government. He was last seen walking into the Saudi consulate in Turkey in October. At first, people thought he might have been kidnapped, but then evidence started coming out that he had died. After some pressure, the Saudi consulate confirmed, saying there had been an altercation. They called it a botched interrogation. Then the Turkish government revealed there were recordings from inside the consulate. After listening to them and doing some research of their own, the CIA confirmed that Khashoggi had been murdered and that it was planned. And they said the murder plot went all the way up to the top to the crown prince. Other countries came out condemning MBS, but not the Trump administration. MBS has friendly ties to the Trump family. Republicans have split with the White House on this one though. Congress has condemned the Saudis and voted to pull military support for the government, but they never tried to sanction MBS. Enter this report by this UN investigator, Agnes Calamard. Calamard listened to the tapes. She says you can hear Saudi officials planning Khashoggi's murder. 
They talked about how to get his body out of the consulate, even before he arrived. It's all pretty gruesome. The main takeaway is that the killing was premeditated. The report has been described as damning, and it casts major doubt on the official Saudi story. Remember, they said it was just an interrogation gone wrong. Since then, the Saudis have given each of Khashoggi's children a house and at least 10,000 bucks a month, which some people think is an admission of guilt. Calamard now wants a further investigation into individual Saudi officials. She specifically name-checked Crown Prince MBS, and she suggested that targeted sanctions may be in order. The Saudis have already put 11 people on trial for the murder. Calamard is calling for the Saudis to scrap the trials and start over, saying they don't live up to international standards, and that at least one person who should be on trial didn't get charged. All of these findings and suggestions are going to be presented to the United Nations Human Rights Council next week, and they might put more pressure on countries to take action against the Saudis and the Crown Prince, including the Trump administration. June is all about the rainbow connection. It's Pride Month. Here at The Skim, we know you like to celebrate smarter. We've got what you need to know, like the ABCs on LGBTQ+, and the icons that paved the way to Pride. Even our Skim HQers learned a few new things about Pride. How to be an ally, I thought was incredibly helpful. Like, I know a lot of people identify as pansexual or like asexual, and I never really understood what that means. I thought digging into the fact that Pride is happening in different parts of the globe, sort of at the same time, I thought was really exciting. Check out all the guides at theskim.com slash pride. Happy Pride! The name you need to know today is Joy Harjo. The Library of Congress just named her the 23rd Poet Laureate, basically the country's official poet. But she's the first Native American ever to be chosen. So, some info on Harjo. She's a member of the Muscogee Creek Nation and grew up on native land in Tulsa. She's written eight books of poetry, mostly about the history and experiences of Native American people. Nature, spirituality, and womanhood are some of her main themes. But she's not just a poet. She's written a memoir and two books for younger readers, and she's released five music albums. The Poet Laureate usually works on a project that raises awareness of and appreciation for poetry. Harjo says she hasn't decided what she's going to focus on during her tenure, but that she wants to bring people together to heal political divisiveness. Here she is in an interview with the Academy of American Poets. So I think of how poetry enables us to maybe to shift our images of each other, and to listen. You cannot write poetry if you don't listen. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from Adidas. You know the sporting goods company by its signature three stripes, on everything from sneakers to soccer jerseys to bags and more. Sometimes Adidas switches it up with the logo, they make the stripes vertical, horizontal, or even backwards. Turns out, Adidas only has a trademark for the slanted version. It was trying to expand that protection for, and this is a quote, three parallel equidistant stripes of equal width applied to the product in whichever direction. Today, the General Court of the European Union denied them the trademark and ruled that all those other directions are fair game. They said Adidas couldn't show that their stripes had enough of a distinctive character throughout Europe. The court called the design just an ordinary figurative mark. 
Trademark burn. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening and make sure you subscribe and leave a review. Today is Juneteenth, and we've got a deep dive on the importance of that day for African-American history in our Skim app. We've got a bunch of other premium content there too. You can find it in your app store.